We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we're continuing on in a series uh, that we have entitled Upside Down, going through this letter that Paul wrote, 1 Thessalonians. And uh, we looked last week in chapter 4 and the concluding verses of chapter 4 at the rapture of the church the coming of the Lord where he would come and he would call up the church, the bride of Christ to himself. And we looked at all of that and Paul concluded that particular section that was devoted to the understanding of Christ coming back and calling the church to himself with these words, encourage one another. Uh, In regards to this understanding that they would have about the coming of the Lord, that Jesus could return at any moment to, to call out his bride, the church, he said, encourage one another with these words. It's interesting because this morning, as we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, uh, we are going to see a different subject matter, a different event that Paul is going to detail for us regarding uh, the end of the world as it may be, as the end times. And it's going to be kind of a troubling thing for those that would not know Christ as Savior. But he concludes the end of this section with the same words that he concluded the previous section with, encourage one another with these words. And so let's look at this together. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 beginning at verse 1. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and then they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. There's a lot to look through in these 11 verses. And we could spend weeks, plural, weeks, examining all of the truths that are found in these 11 verses as Paul discusses what is known as the day of the Lord. And so we want to just look at we, what we can this morning, help to make some points, and give a couple challenges as we move forward. But I would tell you this morning, as we approach the text of Scripture before us, Depending upon where you are at presently in regards to your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, 
you are either going to hear these verses and hear a source of comfort, a source of blessing, a source of encouragement, or if you do not have relationship with Christ and you don't even know what that's all about or you've rejected a relationship with Jesus Christ, you will sit here today and I would tell you you should hear these verses and listen soberly to them because there is judgment that is coming. Uh, This is not one of those pleasant texts of scripture that would fall into the category of pleasant for the ear to hear if you do not have a relationship with Jesus. And so Paul addresses this, so we we will address it, and I would ask you to consider this morning this question. Do you truly have a relationship with the Son of God, Jesus Christ? Are you certain that you have trusted in Jesus as your means or source of salvation? Have you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart in Jesus Christ as Savior today? Because how you and I answer that question determines whether or not the passage before us is one that will strike great fear, as it should in our hearts, if we do not know him or whether or not there will be a sense of encouragement as we look at these verses. Well, as we look at the verse, first I want to make a point that I believe Paul makes very clearly, and that is this, the day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. And Paul addresses this in verses 1 through 3. And he actually tells the believers here in Thessalonica, um, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you don't have anything that needs to be written to you. You already know about the day of the Lord that is coming. He says in verse 2, you are fully aware about the day of the Lord, that it will come as a thief in the night while people are saying peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. The reality is the day of the Lord is coming and that day is going to be a day of terrible wrath from Almighty God. It's a day of great judgment. It's a day where God in his righteous wrath will exercise judgment upon the earth, upon the one that has rejected Christ, upon the one that is in darkness and not in light. And that day is coming and no one can stop it. Now, Paul tells them, you already know about this. You're already informed about this. But he wants them to understand it's coming. Now, this is a completely separate event from the event that we looked at last week where the church is called up to meet the Lord in the air. There's, that is imminent. In other words, that means it could happen at any moment. God, Christ could return today to call the church unto himself. But the day of the Lord that now Paul is addressing is an entirely different day, an entirely different event, and he tells them that that day is coming, and ultimately when it comes, it will come as a thief in the night. When the Lord returns to judge the earth, people will be going about their business as usual. They will not be looking for it, they will not be expecting it, and yet it will come. One pastor says the day of the Lord is a technical term used in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It describes two very critical events. First of all, it describes our Lord coming to execute final judgment on all unbelieving, wicked people and to gather his saints into his earthly kingdom. 
So that we call the millennium because of the language of Revelation 20. Our Lord in his second coming comes to judge the wicked and to gather his saints dead and alive into his earthly kingdom. The day of the Lord is coming. This is a terrible day for the person who does not know Jesus Christ as Savior. Uh, One pastor has said that when Jesus came, and this is paraphrasing, when he came as a baby in Bethlehem, he came in peace and he came to bring peace. He came to bring joy for the world because a savior was born. When Christ returns, comes back the second time, he is coming as the judge and he will exercise judgment and wrath. There's a scene that's found in Revelation chapter 19. Those of you that were here when we studied through the book of Revelation, you may remember this scene in Revelation chapter 19. It speaks about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when he comes this next time, he's coming not as a baby, not as someone who is going to be spit upon and mocked and beaten and falsely accused and crucified. He is coming as King of kings. In Revelation chapter 19, John is writing the vision that he saw concerning this day of the Lord that is coming. And he says this, I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. This is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ coming as judge on this terrible great day. It says, his eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe, dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus coming back on this terrible day of judgment as the King of kings and as the Lord of lords. Jesus speaks of this in Matthew 24. He says, As the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call And they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. The day of the Lord is coming. Now, understand that this day is coming, this day of wrath, this day of judgment is coming upon the earth. And Paul tells them, you already know about that. 
You're informed about that. But he is wanting to encourage them, which is crazy to think about this, that he's wanting to encourage them as they think about the day of the Lord that is reserved and that is coming. And so look at what he says. The day of the Lord is coming. It's going to be a terrible day. But Paul is going to conclude in verse 11 by saying this, encourage one another and build one another up. How is that even possible? When you think about the coming judgment of the Lord, how how could anyone tell anyone, hey, be encouraged because the wrath of God is coming? Well, he's going to give them some reminders and I think are good reminders for us this morning as well that yes, the day of the Lord is coming, but secondly, there is a contrast between those in light and those in darkness. You see, in verses four to eight, Paul is going to say in these four verses, you are not in darkness. We are not of the night. We are not of the darkness. Again, Paul is going to speak of the very identity that the one who is in Christ has. That if you and I have relationship with Jesus Christ today, we are not of the darkness. We are not living and walking in darkness. And there is a huge contrast. That's why in verse 4, after speaking of the wrath of God that is coming, look at what he says. He says, but... You, however, are not in darkness. There's a transition that's made here. You see, Paul's reiterating this reality that judgment is coming from God upon the earth, but that judgment is not for you. Because you are not in darkness, but you are in the light. You belong to him. It's a a speaking of identity. He says in these four verses, four to eight, you are children of the light. You are children of the day. We belong to the day. We've put on the breastplate of faith and love. We've put on the helmet of the hope of salvation. This is the reality of our very identity in Jesus Christ. And there's a huge contrast. There's a contrast between those in darkness and those that are in light. And can I just say, listen, the only reason you and I who know Christ as Savior are not in darkness, it's not because we are just good people. Because we're not. It's not because we just do everything right because we don't. It's not because we have anything special about us to earn favor from God. We don't. It's because God in Christ has taken you and I as sinners, as those that were dead in sin and made us alive through Jesus. And so we are no longer darkness. We are light. We are no longer children of the darkness. We are children of the day, Paul says in this passage. So let us not sleep. Let us keep awake and let us be sober, he says. In Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul calls on the believer to be an imitator of God, he says that we are to walk in the light, that we're to walk in the light as he is in the light, that we are to expose the works of darkness. Take no part, he says, in the unfruitful works of darkness. Listen, I hope as a follower of Christ who has the spirit of God living inside of you that when you or I participate in things that are of darkness rather than light, there's conviction from the spirit of God in our lives. I hope that when we choose to sin or to disobey God that because that is not who we are and that's not who we belong to that the spirit of God brings conviction into our hearts and our minds to tell us this is not who you are any longer. Because you've been made alive through Jesus Christ. There's a contrast here. There's a contrast between those that are in darkness and those that are in light. Huge contrast. 
One pastor says their description here shows an absolute distinction between the believer and the non-believer. And it's written as a comfort to us. Any fearing Christian who knows what is coming in the day of the Lord in the future can look deeply into this passage and have their fears calmed. Here's why. It's the third point this morning. Here's why. The one in darkness is destined for wrath. The one in darkness is destined for wrath. Listen, if you're here today, I started off by asking you, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? If you do not know Christ as Savior today, the Word of God says that what is true of you is the same thing that was true of me and every other person in this room before we knew Christ, that you are dead in your sin that you are separated from God because of sin. That was every single one of us. And the word of God tells us all have sinned and that the end result of sin is death, it's judgment. We are deserving of the wrath of a holy, righteous God. And for the unbeliever, for the one that is in darkness, wrath is what they are destined for. It's what he tells them here. He says, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night While people are saying peace and security, sudden destruction will come upon them. They will not escape. The one in darkness is destined for wrath. And that's a discouraging thing this morning if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. God's wrath is coming. The prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 13, Wail, for the day of the Lord is near. As destruction from the Almighty, it will come. Therefore, all hands will be feeble. Every human heart will melt. They will be dismayed, aghast at one another. Their faces will be aflame. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, with wrath and fierce anger, to make the land a desolation and to destroy its sinners from it. You see, there's this prevalent attitude in the culture and society in which we live today that you can do whatever you want to do and get away with it. But the word of God tells us that God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. That the end result of sin and the rejection of Christ will be the wrath of God that will be poured out upon man. And God's word is very clear. The one in darkness is destined for wrath. Again, if you're here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, as unpleasant as those words are, that is what God's word proclaims to be truth. But, but, here's the great news. And this is what Paul is going to reiterate to the believers in Thessalonica. He says in verses 9 and 10, a great transition. Although those that are in darkness are destined for wrath, through Christ... Believers are destined for everlasting life. Look at what he says in verses 9 to 10. For God has not destined us for wrath. This is the believer in Christ. But to obtain salvation. How? To obtain salvation, he says in verse 9, through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to listen to me for a moment because if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, this can be extremely discouraging and disheartening and a fearful thing to think about the wrath of Almighty God that is coming. But please, do not miss the amazing joy that can be found in verses 9 and 10 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 this morning. Look at it again. 
For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is salvation available through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's going to go on in verse 10 to say, who, speaking of Jesus, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. There is salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the good news this morning concerning Jesus. This is the gospel that Paul preached 2,000 years ago, almost 2,000 years ago. This is the gospel the good news that has been proclaimed about Jesus Christ for the past 2,000 years that has transformed lives. This is the gospel that was preached by these individuals that would be described as individuals that were turning the world upside down. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this life. He died the death of a cross. He took on himself the punishment that was deserving to you and I. He offered himself willingly as a sacrifice for our sins. That Christ Jesus went to the cross to save sinners. That he was crucified, he was buried, but he rose again the third day. That he is alive. He's coming back, as we talked about last week. He's going to be returning as judge on the day of the Lord, that terrible day for the one that is lost. But the reality and hope is that there is salvation found even today through Jesus. And Paul tells us, he says, listen, there is no wrath for those who know Christ. There's salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. And today I praise God that Jesus Christ died for those that didn't deserve it. He died for me when I was undeserving. He died for you when you didn't deserve it. When we were utterly lost in our sin, when we were without hope, Christ died for you that you might have forgiveness, that you and I might have life. That's what Jesus has done. And according to the words in my Bible, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, there is no wrath to be endured for the believer in Jesus because Christ already took our place. He's endured the wrath of God for us. And there's life, everlasting life through a relationship with Jesus Christ. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you're here today and you know that to be true and you have trusted in Jesus, Paul would tell you what he says in verse 11 right here. Therefore, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. How in the world could Paul tell the believer in Christ as they consider the day of the Lord, the coming judgment of God, encourage one another and build one another up knowing this? Because there is no wrath to come for the believer in Jesus. Whether asleep or alive, whether the believer has passed in this life or is still alive, there is hope that there is salvation found through the Lord Jesus Christ. Through Christ, believers are destined for ever 
lasting life. Jesus said in John 3.36, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Romans 5.9 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? Back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, this same letter that Paul's writing to these believers in verses 9 and 10 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, he says that they had this report concerning these believers in Thessalonica, that they've turned to God from worshiping idols to serve the one true living God and to wait for his son from heaven, Jesus, who was raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath that is to come. Encourage one another with these words. Can I tell you and plead with you today to trust in Jesus Christ today for salvation. The word of God says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, will be forgiven of their sins. That through trusting Jesus Christ as our savior, we move positionally before God as those that are deserving of his wrath to those that are righteous in his sight. We move from being those that are dead in our sins to his children who are alive in Jesus. Call upon the name of the Lord today and you can be forgiven. You can be delivered from the wrath that is to come. And the fifth point is that these truths should serve as a comfort and as an edification for the believer. A comfort and an edification. Comfort one another. Encourage one another and build one another up just as you were doing. I love what John Piper has said in regards to 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, and 10. John Piper was going through a very difficult time in his life where there was a lot of uncertainties. And, and he shared that God really challenged him from 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, and 10 with some great comfort. And he shares a little bit about what he felt God was challenging him. This is what he says. He says that he felt as though God was telling him this. You are mine, and I, your father, have not destined you for wrath, nor will you ever come into wrath. There is not wrath for you, but you are appointed by my sovereign decree for salvation. And this is sure and solid and unshakable through your Lord Jesus Christ. Because he died for you. He died for you. So that whether you wake or sleep, that is whether you live or die, you will live with him forever. Relax. I've got everything under control. And verse 11 is simply God's way of saying, and this precious, powerful, solid, unshakable word of hope is not just for you. Memorize it because you will someday encourage and build up others with it. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. In other words, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, and 10 are designed by God for his people so that you will have them ready as a go-to word for others when the phone call comes and you are there. Encourage one another. Build one another up. And keep doing it. Keep doing it. Don't miss what Paul is sharing here. 
He is relaying this word to the believer in Christ, something they already were fully aware of. The day of the Lord is coming. It's a day of terrible wrath and judgment for those that do not know Christ as Savior. But you will not receive that wrath because you have obtained salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. You are not of the night, but you are of the light. You are not in darkness, but you are children of the light. And so walk in the light as he is in the light. Encourage one another with these words. Build one another up, even as you are continuing to do. As we close this morning, I just want to give three quick closing remarks. Number one, understand that both wrath and deliverance are coming. So respond accordingly. The wrath of God is coming. You have deliverance through Jesus. But the wrath of God is coming. So be quick to speak the name of Christ. To share the truth of the gospel with those that need to hear. Number two, both darkness and light are present. Live soberly. There is darkness and there is light. If you and I are children of the light, then might we live soberly. Might we walk in the light. Number three, both comfort and edification are responsibilities that we have as believers. So pursue these daily. Comfort one another with these words. Build one another up with these words. Encourage one another daily. That is the responsibility that you and I have as believers to each other. Never lose sight of the deliverance and salvation that is yours through Jesus Christ. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for salvation that is found through Jesus. We ask that you would open eyes this morning, Lord, to those that do not know Christ that might be here. God, some that are in these chairs week in and week out, they come to church every single week and hear the message of the gospel, and yet they are far from you. I pray that your spirit would open eyes to the truth of the gospel, that there might be deliverance from the wrath that is coming. Lord, I thank you for the encouragement we have as believers today to know that we are secure in Christ, to know that we have been delivered, to know that eternal life is ours through Jesus. I pray that you would help us to live soberly as we walk through this world and that we would glorify you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your love for us. In Christ's name, amen.